Yes, you are, and welcome on in. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Appreciate you making us a part of your Wednesday right here on CBS Sports Radio. If you missed any part of the show so far or or leaving us in a little bit, don't worry. Check out and subscribe the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. That is where every single hour of this show is uploaded right there. Don't miss a thing by checking out and subscribing to the Hick at Night podcast. Again, night spelled N-I-T-E. We thank and just had Barrett Salee on the show. CBS Sports college football reporter does a tremendous job covering the sport. And one of the things I don't get to this day is the fact that Florida State, despite the way they play, is still sitting there in the top four with just two weeks remaining in the regular season. And here's why that bothers me. I'm not a Florida State hater. I have no animosity. I'm not a Miami fan. I'm not a uh, Florida fan that has a long hatred with the Seminoles. But here's why Florida State specifically bothers me and frustrates me when it comes to the overall college football playoff committee. Because Florida State is the perfect example as to how there's no consistency in the college football playoff rankings and why I have no faith that when push comes to shove and we're sitting here on December 3rd, that they'll get it right. Like, the thing is, if it's obvious now that Washington should be ahead of Florida State and they're not doing it, why should I believe then when the season ends that they'll move Washington above Florida State if those two teams are both undefeated at the end of the year and put Washington in the playoff. Uh, To me, it's obvious right now. The right and obvious move when it comes to these rankings is having Washington 4 and Florida State 5. Washington has better wins than the Seminoles and a better strength of schedule. The Huskies have the best win in college football right now. They beat number six, Oregon. No other team in the country can brag about having a win better than that. So you have the best win of any team right now in college football. And sure, have they looked bad at times? Absolutely. Barrett said it 20 minutes ago, and I can't disagree, even though I'm a Washington backer here, in the fact that their defense stinks. It's bad. It's terrible. Won't ignore it. Won't pretend like it's not true. But even though they have a bad defense, and even though they have played some closer games than they should have, Florida State has done the same, and the Seminoles can't touch the resume right now that Washington has. So, when in terms of inconsistent play, that is even, and the Huskies have the better resume, what am I missing? Why are, why isn't Washington with 10 games, by the way? This is not like, oh, we're only in week three. Small sample size. We got 10 games. We're 80% of the way done with the regular season. Really, 90% of the way done with the regular season. It's more of enough time to make the right move. But here we are with another week of the Seminoles 4 and the Huskies 5. And what frustrates me even more is when you hear the explanation. It's one thing if I disagree with it. Right, This is your reasoning. Okay, I can't argue with it. I just don't disagree with it. Fine. I could live with that. It's another thing, though, when your explanation makes no sense. 
So yesterday, after the rankings were revealed, the college football playoff chairman, spokesman, if you will, Boo Corrigan, was on ESPN, talked with Reese Davis. Reese, to his credit, asked him, hey, Florida State 4, Washington 5, what did you guys determine or break down that led the Seminoles to remaining above the Huskies? Here's the college football playoff chairman's answer. Florida State, really good offensively, has been really good defensively. You know, don't don't undersell the, the Miami-Florida State rivalry as well, and that's been going on for years. Miami hit a big play um, for that touchdown in the second half, but we felt Florida State was the dominant team in there, and Washington continues to win. Uh, really good defensive uh, second half against Utah, but as we looked at it and evaluated it and you know, as y'all can appreciate, the debate is getting stronger every week as we get more and more data points going through this. But we ended up with Florida State at four and uh, Washington at five. I mean, what are we talking about? Florida State dominated that game? It was a one-possession game the entire game. Miami is six and four. They are not a good team. They started a new quarterback. The game was literally a one-possession game the entire time. Yet here we are talking about Florida State dominating that game and this great offense scoring 27 points. Really, that's what we're we're crediting them. They play great offense and great defense. If you play great offense, then even without your two best receivers, you should still hang more than 24 points on Pitt on the road two weeks ago. It makes no, like, we, this is what I truly don't know. And this is my concern. Are we watching the games? I have my doubts if the committee's watching the games. I really do. I don't know what they do on their Saturdays. I know they have day jobs. A lot of them are athletic directors. A lot of them are, you know, have different um, callings throughout their life. So this is not priority number one. But you would assume if you're on the college football playoff selection committee that you are blocking off your Saturdays and watching games so you can give an educated opinion on then what you're arguing either way, I'm sorry, you can't look at how Florida State has played, especially Saturday, and say they dominated, but then also say, well, it's a rivalry game. I mean, come on. Florida, Miami, Florida State, Miami. You know, throw the record books out in this one, folks. You Like, the, the fact that you are just making every excuse possible for Florida State, and then not cutting the same slack for Oregon, where they win a big rivalry game, or Washington, I should say, where they win a big rivalry game over Oregon, where they play close games and tough games against some hated rivals as well, win those games, but it's, oh, well, they struggled. Well, look at them. Their defense, no good. They stink. They're terrible. But Florida State, it's okay. It's okay. Hey, you played a rival. They're 6-4, and four, but it's okay. Hey, they are a big rival. Remember the wide left and the wide right. Remember that in like the 90s? That was awesome. That was great. In the 80s? Awesome. So we're going to carry that tradition. We're going to carry those memories over to 2023. No. And again, so you hear that reasoning of what is going through the committee's mind when they make these boneheaded decisions. Why should I have faith in two weeks from now and three weeks from now when it actually comes time to make a decision? And by the way, we are trending where this is not going to work itself out. The committee is going to have to make tough decisions. And I don't trust them to make the right one. Like I ran by this scenario to Barrett, and I think it's very realistic. This is not like one of those, oh, well, if, you know, if everything goes right, 
the odds are slim, but this could happen. No, no, this is a realistic and I would say arguably a likely outcome that we're sitting here the day after conference championship weekend debating between a 13-0 Big Ten champ, Michigan, Ohio State, doesn't matter. A 12 and I think Oregon's going to be Washington in a rematch. A 12-1 Oregon team. A 12-1 Texas team. A 12-1 Alabama team. And a 13-0 Florida State team. And for me, my answer in terms of who gets left out of those five teams, Florida State, Alabama, Texas, Oregon, Michigan, it's the Seminoles. I asked Barrett this, He and I'm with him. I don't think being undefeated is an automatic qualifier to making the college football playoff. I don't think if you're 13-0, we're sitting there saying, oh, well, not even a debate. You're, you're in. No, you got to be good within those 13 games. You have to have an impressive resume within those 13 games. And I would argue right now, Michigan, Ohio State, whoever wins that game and wins the Big Ten, Oregon, Texas, Alabama, all with more uh, impressive and better resumes than Florida State. But do I actually think when push comes to shove here that the Seminoles are going to be on the outside looking in despite, for me at least, them being... I mean, honestly, if we're ranking teams right now, I would have probably ranked them 6th, 7th. They've not been impressive. They've not been a top-tier team. But I think when push comes to shove, we're talking about a 13-0 Florida State team, I think the committee is absolutely putting them in, no doubt about it, and that's the wrong decision. That is the absolute wrong decision. I think they're making a big-time mistake. Um, If that's the case. One thing, though, the committee cannot do. And again, I have no faith that they'll do the right thing. But the right thing would be if we were talking about a 12-1 and Texas team, Big 12 champ, 12-1 and Alabama team, SEC champ. You cannot put Alabama in the college football playoff and leave Texas out. Again, I would put both those teams over Florida State. But if we're saying, well, the Big 10 champ is in, Pac-12 champ is in, FSU is 13-0, and they're in. And now it's between Texas and Alabama. you got to put Texas in. Texas beat Alabama. At the end of the day, we have to make games matter. If head-to-head doesn't matter, then why are we playing the games? If the fact that Texas, going back to week two, goes into Tuscaloosa and beats the Tide on the road in a fair and square game, and that, at the end of the season, doesn't come back to serve as a boost to them, why are we playing the games? Why not just look at the recruiting rankings? Why not just look at the schedule, project who we're gonna, who we think will win, and then just make the playoff by, by there, pick the four teams there? Why are we playing at the schedule? Why are we playing at the season if results don't matter? And I, I wish I could sit here and say with the utmost confidence, no way the committee will do that. No way the committee will put Alabama in over Texas. No way. Ryan, of course they're going to remember that week two game and give the Longhorns the proper respect in terms of getting that advantage over Alabama because they won head-to-head. I don't believe it. And I think Barrett brought it up, recency bias. I absolutely think that's going to take over that committee's room. They're going to sit there looking at Alabama beating number one Georgia in the SEC title game and saying, oh, 
How could we leave the Crimson Tide out? I'm afraid for Texas. I am afraid for Texas. Because there's absolutely a reality we are living in. Where they beat Alabama, where Texas wins their conference, where they have an equal record to the Crimson Tide, 12-1, and and they are on the outside looking in of the college football playoff at the end of the year. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. And we may not even get to that situation if Georgia takes care of business and beats Alabama. But I can't sit here and say that with all confidence. Oh, yeah. If we're talking about a 12-1 and Alabama and a 12-1 and Texas, I can't sit here fully confident and tell you the committee's going Texas. And that's a problem. That's a problem. It's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting the next three weeks here. A lot of elimination games. This weekend, Oregon State hosting Washington is going to be a big one for the Pac-12. Huskies really college football playoff hopes lie in this game. I think Oregon's going to win the rematch in the Pac-12 title game. But any hope of the Huskies making the college football playoff here, I think die if they lose to Oregon State on Saturday. You still have a chance. And I, would again, would still make an argument for Washington if they are 12-1. and but enter conference championship weekend at 12 and 0 and lose just a rematch to Oregon. But you're 11 and 2 or really 10 and 2? 11 and 2. Sorry, math's off. You're in trouble. You are done. All right. When we return here on CBS Sports Radio, we learned today that Deshaun Watson out for the rest of the regular season for the Cleveland Browns, a tough blow for their team, but I'm not ready to call Cleveland dead just yet. Part of the reason is, when we return here, let's discuss Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. How many teams actually are there? The number is fewer than you think. We'll discuss when we return. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Fitting a Taylor Swift song is playing. I was just reading that apparently this weekend is a big one here for the uh, Swift family and the Kelsey family, that both families are planning to meet each other at Monday's Eagles-Chiefs game. And now I guess going to, you know, come together and, and meet the other side, meet the in-laws, if you will. I am rooting for Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. I hope they have a long relationship. I hope it works out. History says it's not going to. I hope they defy the odds, get married, have a long life, Superly, you know, super in love, happily ever after. I'm only one good things for him. With that said, though, kind of, I'm sure you could tell a butt was coming, but I don't need daily updates on their relationship. I don't care. And I don't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong here. I don't think a lot of people do care. Do we really need to know that Donna Kelsey and Mr. Kelsey are now meeting Mr. and Mrs. Swift at the game? No. Who, what does that have to do with anything? Who cares? Taylor Swift is not going to be there. She's on tour. Their families are meeting. Awesome. Is that breaking news? I don't think so. Is that news we need to know? No. And I really don't need, which I I know it's going to happen already. You can already foresee it happening. There is going to be a permanent camera placed on the Kelsey family box. And we're going to be looking and constantly checking in and having Joe Buck and Troy give us updates of, there's Mrs. Kelsey talking to Mrs. Swift. I wonder what they're talking about. 
up oh, there's they're the they're the two dads there. There's Mr. Swift and Mr. Kelsey. Look at them just broing out talking about football. Look at that. Mr. Swift looks so happy to be there. We don't need play by play of what their parents are talking about. This has gone too far. It really has. The the daily updates, the where is Travis Kelsey? The what is Taylor Swift doing? Oh my God, are they exclusive? Are they in love? Who cares? Let them do their thing. I don't, I mean, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just an old man yelling at the clouds, but I don't need content updates from the Swift-Kelsey relationship. All right, it's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. Back to what matters. How wrong we were about the AFC Conference this year in the NFL. And all offseason, what were we talking about? The AFC's a gauntlet. Oh, my God, bring your knives, bring your pitchforks. It's going to be a battle all year long to get into the playoffs and then get to the Super Bowl because the AFC is a gauntlet. Look how deep it is compared to the NFC. With oh, phew, That's our two-team league. That, that is a weak conference. It's the Eagles, it's the 49ers, and no one else. It's a cakewalk. That is pathetic. You know what, though? Through 10 weeks... Tables have turned. The NFC is a tougher conference to win going forward than the AFC is. Because I look right now at the NFC conference, I think there are three teams that can to win the uh, that can win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl: San Francisco 49ers, Philadelphia Eagles, Detroit Lions. Right now, I only see two teams in the AFC that can win the conference: Chiefs, Bengals. That's it. There are tougher and more competitive teams in the NFC with a chance to go to the Super Bowl compared to the AFC. I mean, who's the third team? If I say Chiefs contender, Bengals Super Bowl contender, who's the third team? I don't think we could put one in there right now. I don't think there is one. Ravens, I mean, I got to see more from Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. He's not been a very good playoff quarterback whatsoever. And I am a little concerned with Baltimore's habit of not closing games. Sure, he can blow out Detroit. Great. Blow out Seattle. Amazing. But in a lot of these close games they've played, they've they've struggled. Double-digit uh, double digit fourth quarter lean blow, uh, lead blown against the Browns. Fourth quarter lead blown against the Steelers. Fourth quarter lead blown against the Colts. They've not been a very good closing team offensively or defensively. I got to see them play better in a close game before I could sit here and absolutely put the Ravens in that category. Jaguars, I mean, frauds, hate to say it, they are fraudulent. Trevor Lawrence has not developed the way we thought he would and has not taken that next step. That offense is stuck in first gear. They can't beat good teams. Same with the Dolphins. So both those teams, I mean, we really can't realistically say, oh, Dolphins are a contender. They haven't been a good team. Jaguars have not been a good team. Steelers can't score a point. They're winning games, but not in a fashion that is sustainable. Texans, I mean, I can't, I like the story of the Texans. I can't sit here and tell you right now that they are a, a Super Bowl contender. They're a playoff contender with a rookie quarterback, but nowhere near a Super Bowl contender. Bills, I mean, they're on the outside looking. I think the Bills missing the playoffs. At 5-5, five and five, they are not making the playoffs. And so that's part of the reason why I started today's show talking about why I am not counting the Browns out. 
why the Browns are me to still a playoff team. Why I think they can make a deep postseason run. Because you look around the AFC, it is not as scary as we thought it was going to be in the preseason. It is not as deep. It is not as tough of a gauntlet. It is not as potent as we all predicted and projected it to be in the offseason and throughout the summer. I mean, even the two teams right now that I would call Super Bowl contenders in the AFC, Chiefs and Bengals, both have major warts. Chiefs offense, for their standards, is the worst it's been under Patrick Mahomes. Really struggle scoring. Really have not developed a second weapon reliably outside of Travis Kelsey. And the Bengals are hot and cold. Joe Burrow, I get it, was injured, right, for earlier this season with the calf injury. And we have now seen him in the last three weeks, at least, play a lot better and look a lot better now that the calf injury is healed for the most part. But still, I mean, that's a game where we thought Bengals at home absolutely should win against the Texans, lose. Now you're sitting there five and four, currently on the outside looking in of the playoff race. So even those two teams at the top of the conference are not as insurmountable, are not as invincible as we thought they would be at the beginning of the year. That's why I look at this conference. I sit here and tell you, conference is open. And if you're a Browns fan, you should not be discouraged or at least think that the season is over. There's no reason to plan a funeral right now. Your season is very much alive in large part because no one is broken away in the AFC. Again, I think we can realistically talk about the AFC, uh, the NFC, excuse me, the NFC being a deeper and tougher conference in terms of getting to the Super Bowl right now than the AFC. Three Super Bowl caliber teams in the NFC, Lions, 49ers, Eagles. I think right now only two in the AFC and the Chiefs and Bengals, and both those teams have question marks. It is wide open. The AFC is truly wide open. I think it's going to be a lot like college football this year. Where very few teams separate. It's going to be chaotic towards the end. And I think we're going to go into every single week of the rest of this regular season. I think every single postseason week. And not know what to expect, which is awesome. That's what I'm here for. Sign me up. But that's what it feels like we're kind of heading towards. Just because right now the AFC was hyped up. We talked about it. Oh, this is going to be a tough conference. Now, part of that is because Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, so the Jets are out of it. The Broncos have not taken the step. I thought they would. Chargers continue to charge, or the Jaguars have not, again, taken that next leap into the next tier of, or I should say maybe the upper echelon of some really good teams. But that now opens the door. That now gives teams like the Cleveland Browns hope, reason to believe, that come playoff time, they have a chance against any opponent they face. AFC, despite what we said, despite the hype in the preseason, despite all oh, the AFC East is a gauntlet, the AFC North is arguably the toughest and best division in, in all of football. Look how good the AFC West is. A big bounce back for the Chargers, big bounce back for the Broncos. We have not seen it come to fruition. It's wide open. So I'm curious your thoughts here. 
855-212-4227. Outside of the Chiefs, outside of the Bengals, it's a wide-open AFC conference. Is there another team you think I should add that is right now, in your mind, through 10 weeks, a bona fide, true Super Bowl contender in the AFC? 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and then number three. Before we go to the update, I need some life advice from my guy, Rich Ackerman. You are... I'm the last guy you should be asking. You are are pretty wise, I would say. Me and my girlfriend, I need you to pick sides here. My girlfriend and I. My girlfriend and I, thank you. Um, We are in a little bit of a fight right now. I need you to to tell us... Tell me who is right. She is... Well, fair, but come on. This this is I think I am right here. I get I what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But let me lay it out for you. Okay. We live in an apartment building. The entrance and the exit to the apartment building is right on the sidewalk. There's only one exit in, one entrance, or one exit out, one entrance in. It's mm-hmm. right there on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. The other day, I witnessed someone in our apartment building who has a dog walk out of our building, take his dog to go to the bathroom, and let the dog go number one right in front of the building, right in front. It is a tight sidewalk and it's a tight entranceway because our building's not very big. Mm -hmm. So it's a narrow walkway and you kind of have to almost hop over the P in order to get to the front door. I said that was egregious and I was ready to fight the guy. I'm like, that's absurd. Yeah, you don't want to do that. I did not throw a punch, but I was steaming. And again, also, I'm not someone who's confrontational. So I saw it happen. We were walking to our apartment on the sidewalk. It was about 100 feet in front of me. I see it happen. Guy lets his dog go, turns right around, goes back in the building. And so I wait till I get to my apartment. I don't cause a scene. And I get there. I'm like, is that guy out of his mind? And she didn't see what the big deal was. That's egregious. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that, but... You know, people just do things now in New York City, and they just say, no, that's the way it is. <laughs> Too bad. I'm even, I will even say if that was not your, like. It's a Seinfeld episode right there. If that was a random guy, I would be upset, but at least I would understand it where it's not your building, you don't care, fine. Do, but like, it's your building. But it's, you live there. Yes. It's not just a me problem, it's a you problem. You live there, and again, it's a narrow sidewalk where it's like it's not spacious. Again, this is a this is a if you want to walk in the hallway and you have two people walk in the hallway at the same time, you gotta hug the wall. It's tight. And so the entranceway to that hallway is pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Your dog taking a pee right in front of the of the door is inconveniencing everybody. Well, I would I would offer two bits of advice. Uh number one, I'd probably go get like a bottle of water and kind of you know, just kind of dilute everything and kind of try to make it a little cleaner. Be a good guy, and the other bit of advice: sometimes you gotta let the let the outfielder take the ball. <laughs> if the ball's gotta go, gotta go through the infield and to the outfield. You gotta you gotta let that. So you're go. saying let it go? Well, I understand. I know where, where he lives. Uh, yeah. I tracked him. It's a small building. I know exactly yeah. where he lives. Yeah, you gotta let you gotta let that go. It's not gonna you're not gonna get anywhere with it. I I am right. I am in your corner. I'd feel the same way you would. I'd want to be kicking butt and taking names, but. You're not going to change people. I do. I mean, do you have a? Are you a dog person? Do you have you I had love, any dogs? I, I love dogs, and and I, and even though I, there are a bunch of them in my neighborhood, and they do it on my lawn, and it bothers me. But you, you, you know, you can't tell people they don't. They don't understand. They don't get it. They think what they're doing is is right, and they don't want to hear otherwise. And you're not going to change them. And I and I hate I hate to put it that way because I am so in your corner on this one. 
but you just don't get anywhere. And it's and and, and the only thing the only thing you're gonna do is escalate the situation. That's my take. Dog owners are just the worst. They're like parents who don't want to acknowledge that their child is misbehaving, but they're actually going crazy behind their back the entire day. It's like, how do you possibly defend your animal over another person? It's ridiculous. Especially, again, when it's your own... I, I wouldn't even be, again, as be mad if it was someone else's... Like, if it was there's a random guy in the street who's walking his dog three blocks away from his own apartment and doesn't care. At least I have respect for just like, you know what? You don't care. Fine. Even if I yell at you, it's not going to impact you. You, like... you. And I don't think it's, like, that's part of the reason why I ask you your opinion because my girlfriend's a big dog person. She had dogs all her life. I never had a dog. I didn't think this was, maybe, like. Maybe that's why she feels that way. But that's I why I want to ask you. Like, I don't think it's just me not having a dog in my life no. as to why I feel this way. It's just a, a matter of respect. Yes. Not only for, if, if, if for you, me and her, you for yourself. It, if you had the dog, you wouldn't you wouldn't. No. That. Yes. I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm there with you. But people. People do this now, and they're just there's no etiquette, there's no respect. It's just you know, it was Paulie Wallen to go, oh, <laughs> don't do that. Again, I'm not confrontational, yes. so I will talk a big game here, but never actually do anything in real life. You know, you, you just don't, know, you never know what you're dealing with, and when you well, got, I will see say, I've sized the guy up. He's taller than me, but he's pretty scrawny. So like, if, if things went down. I think I would be okay. You gotta, if you're going to get into that fight, you got to know you can win. But, I mean, no. Yeah. The the lack of – it's almost like respect for your own self. Yes. Just your, like your, the lack of care for your own building is is my – I I can't it wrap is, my brain around it. It, it is stunning. I don't, I don't – I was shocked. I don't blame you. Totally shocked. But you're not going to change him, so. Well, you know what? Maybe I'll have to go Draymond Green. If <laughs> you I see put it your again, foot in the ground, Hickey. Come on. If I get my foot in the ground, I'll put an arm bar around his throat so, and then well, put his face near the P and say, see, now, and then, do it again, buddy. That would make me Steve Kerr tonight. <laughs> so you would defend me. No, Quick question you know, for you, Ryan. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of like no, responsible. If I'm Draymond in a situation, just, you're Steve Kerr. You would say, I'm, you know what, Ryan, you're in the right. But I'm enabling this by by you asking me the advice, even, the, even if I am saying let it go. You Let know, me tell you, if I get if I go to jail, I know the one call I'm making is to you. Steve, I need you here. You need to bail me out. Because a, a lawyer would say, well, you know, you you were you knew about this and you didn't put an end to it. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't sell you. I try. But well, I would just I'm need just, you there to, to to back me and show why I am in the right and this You are in the right, but you don't win. Is this a notoriously badly behaved dog? Have you heard it barking before? Has it done something egregious in the past? We need a little bit more context here. Um, not that I'm aware of. I do hear like whining here and there. Ooh, but that still I, that's, counts. I, I have no problem with it. Okay. The, the dog out, and I'm not even going to blame the dog. The dog just uh, doesn't know any better. Just outside, going to the bathroom, wherever the, the owner lets him go. I blame the guy. I blame the dog owner himself. The owner is always to blame. You have to train the dog better. You have to find a way to control it. It's not like, oh, it's an animal. We're just going to let it do whatever it wants. No, that's not the way this works. You're living in a building with a lot of other people, and it's impacting them. That's just not fair. I agree. I agree. And you know what? If the dog owner is not going to take uh, charge, I guess I'll have to take charge. So stay tuned. Who knows? We could be doing the show from jail one day with that as my lawyer bailing me out if this activity does continue. <laughs> It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It is Ryan Hickey with you on CBS Sports Radio. As you just heard, plenty of different ways to check us out. We're on the Odyssey app free. Just search uh, CBS Sports Radio. You can listen to us 
wherever and whenever you like any of our local affiliates across this great country or you're on SiriusXM channel 158. That is another way as well. So look at three options for your listening pleasure. All easy, all the tip of your fingers, free Odyssey app, local affiliate, SiriusXM channel 158. No excuse. No excuse not to listen to us right here on CBS Sports Radio. As a reminder, think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. One thing Deshaun Watson's contract isn't just yet. Regrettable. I would not use that word regrettable now. I would not use that word even next year so far to describe so far that massive contract the Browns gave to Sean Watson, really the trade as well, giving up three first-round picks to get the, we'll say embattled, to put it nicely, um, and maybe, on you know, yeah, you know, you know the deal. Watson from the Texans. But I just, I don't understand at this point how you can call the Watson contract regrettable. I, I get it's not great, and this is coming on the heels of the news that he is now out for the year after hurting his shoulder against the Ravens on Sunday. So the first two years of that record-breaking five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract, I get have been wastes, right? The 11-game suspension last year, and now this year you played 10 games. He didn't play in all of them, and now he's out for the year. It sucks, the first two years were absolutely wastes, but I don't think the Browns should regret it because the one thing that wipes all this frustration and all this regret away, I would say is a Super Bowl appearance, not even a Super Bowl ring. If you make a Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson in the next three years, all of the regret is gone. There is no regret. Mission accomplished. You got Deshaun Watson to take you to somewhere you have never been before. The Super Bowl. And still looking ahead, like, that's attainable. Like, the Browns are not going anywhere. They have an elite defense. They have one of the best run games in all the NFL. They are, in a way, not totally quarterback-centric, where they are a lot like the San Francisco 49ers. We're having a great quarterback. It would be awesome. It would obviously help, but is a it is a is it a prerequisite to being a Super Bowl contender? No. But the, the 49ers don't need a top five quarterback to run their offense for them to get this get to the Super Bowl. They went to one with Jimmy G. They went to another NFC title game with Jimmy G, who's average. And they just went to last year's NFC title game with Brock Purdy, who's the last pick in the draft. No one knew who he was. And now all of a sudden, he was inserted into this offense and took the 49ers before he got hurt as far as he could go. The Browns are the same way. You don't need a top five elite quarterback to get you deep into the playoffs and win you a Super Bowl. Now, if Deshaun Watson is able to come back next year healthier, the rust is knocked off, and he's ready to actually try to get back to that 2019 2020 Deshaun Watson we saw with Houston. We're talking about the Browns this time next year on the short list of Super Bowl contenders. And if he's able to beat the Chiefs, beat the Bengals, 
And we are talking about the Cleveland Browns for the first time in their franchise history going to the Super Bowl. The word people would not be using to describe Deshaun Watson's contract is regret. So I think it's too early. I think it's too early to throw the word regrettable around. And I saw it a lot today. After Watson, it was announced he's out for the rest of the regular season. Because there's still a lot, like there's still a lot of time here for this contract to be looked at in a favorable way. Right now, it's not. And again, you give up three first-round picks. The last one you owe still is in the 2024 draft, so you're still paying for that trade. And now Deshaun Watson's salary goes up. The, the cheap years, if you will, and the discount years of the five years were last year and this year. So now he's getting, I think it's, like, I think it's $63 million is his cap hit next year. Right, it rockets up. It's a huge number. But that said, again, we this is a talented Browns team. Their window is open. The Deshaun Watson news today doesn't end the Browns from a playoff conversation in 2024 and 2025. The Browns were 6-3, really in spite of Deshaun Watson, how he played this year. He was not very good. He was not very good. So with that said, that should show you the, the talent Cleveland has on their team to where if Watson is able to figure it out, if he could get to like 75% even of his peak, Again, we are talking about the Browns next year and in 2025 in the same conversation and in the same way we're talking about the Chiefs and the Bengals. Easily. They are right there. If he could get to even 75% of his peak. And for an organization that has had no success, right, no Super Bowl rings, no Super Bowl appearances, making the Super Bowl, That two-week lead-up to the big game right there makes that entire five-year, $230 million contract worth it. Makes all of the drama surrounding the trade worth it. Makes the headache in year number one, the frustration you're feeling now in year number two with him out for the rest of the year, it makes it all worth it. Even in year five, if we get it where year one last year, wash. Year two, ends early. Year three, disappointing. Year four, not great. If we are talking about Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns, Super Bowl champs, and at that point it would be 2026, everything is worth it. So with so much time left, and with the Browns only needing to, I would say, make the Super Bowl for this contract to be worth it, we can't right now be casting stones and making declarations and conclusions that the Browns should regret this Deshaun Watson trade, and it's the most regrettable contract ever given out. It's too early. It's too early to say that. One big year changes it all. I'm rooting for Cleveland. I think their fans, they deserve a winner here. They've been downtrodden a lot, and even this year, the little excitement they get coming off the biggest win of the season and easily the biggest win of the Watson era in that second half comeback over the Ravens on the road, you still can't even get any, you know, any time to celebrate. You can't get more than 24 hours, 48 hours before the news comes that, oh yeah, by the way, that quarterback helped you win that game, out for the year. Brutal. They deserve a winner. I hope they get it. And if they do, people saying that they regret the contract today, 
They'll be eating their words in a few years from now. All right. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. When we return, this is an option that we don't see enough in the NFL. There are two teams that are down bad for different reasons. The Patriots and the Bills. I think both need to make head coaching moves. And the answers to their head coaching woes, it's in a very underutilized but effective move. I'll tell you what that move is when we do return again. It's one we don't see often, but one we need to see happen this offseason. In case you missed anything up to this point in the show, great news. Check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelt N-I-T-E. Entire four hours uploaded right there for your listening pleasure. Make sure to check it out if you missed any part of the show or leaving us here shortly. We'll get to that. The Bills and the Patriots, their answers to the next head coach. When we do return, it's Ryan Hickey with you right here. CBS Sports Radio.